afternoon, 1811 Fulton Steamboat, New Orleans. Built in Pittsburgh, sailed down the Ohio and the Mississippi Rivers to New Orleans. It was the first steamboat in western waters. Passage cost about $30 on the New Orleans back in 1811. 1873, a hippodrome was opened in New York City by showman Phineas T. Barnum. The impressive place was the new home of what he called the greatest show on earth, the big top of what would be the greatest circus in the land back in 1873. 1910, October 20th, a baseball with a cork center was used in a World Series game for the first time. The Philadelphia A's, managed by Connie Mack, and the Chicago Cubs, managed by P.K. Wrigley, played for that championship, and Philadelphia ended up going on to win that series four games to one. 1930, one of the most memorable of all radio shows, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, was first heard on the NBC Red Network, of course. Mike brings you Sherlock Holmes on Thursdays here right. on Theater of the Mind. And 1953, legendary journalist Edward R. Murrow found himself in a rather peculiar situation. On the CBS program, See It Now, Murrow focused on Lieutenant Milo Radulovich and sought to disprove the guilt by association position of Radulovich during the McCarthy hearings. The network and the program sponsors refused to promote the show because of that controversy. As a result, Murrow purchased his own ads to promote the program. And finally, one for Mike here, 1955, No Time for Sergeants opened on Broadway, starring the one and only Andy, Andy Griffith. Griffith. That's a look at Today in History for October 20th. I'm George Zahn, along with Mike Martini. Thank you, George. Traffic right now, we have an accident northbound 75 at Mitchell on the right shoulder, and now we have an accident north 75 north of Turfway on the right shoulder. Uh, that is, of course, in northern Kentucky. And uh, watch out for debris in the roadway. Apparently it is a tarp southbound 75 just before the Mitchell accident between the left two lanes. And if you need a tarp, hurry up. We have slowdowns out of downtown North 71, uh, uh, lateral to Red Bank and Montgomery, uh, North 75, uh, north of 74 to Paddock, and again at Glendale Milford, southbound 75, slows up from Harrison to the Brent Spence Bridge, south 71 slows at Pfeiffer, and again at Taft. 471, a little heavier than usual, off and on from the bridge to 275 in northern Kentucky. Your forecast tonight, clear skies, a low of 42 degrees. Sunny skies tomorrow, a high of 65, exactly the same on Friday. But then Saturday, we warm up a little bit with sunny skies, a high of 72. And Sunday, a high of 72 with a 30% chance of rain, 30% chance of rain Monday and Tuesday and as well. Right now, we're at 66 degrees. Stay tuned for Real Life Real Estate Investing after this. Support comes from The Standard, providing insurance, retirement, investment, and advice for more than 100 years. The Standard, helping individuals create a secure financial future. More information at standard.com. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. 
Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio source for all things real estate investing. And uh, for those of you who are local to us here in the greater Cincinnati area, don't forget tomorrow night's Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting. It's at the usual location at Jordan Crossing at the corner of Reading and Seymour Avenue. The early meeting is about how to negotiate real estate deals, and the main meeting is about the title agent's role in your real estate deal. If you're going to buy or sell properties, you are going to need a good title agent, and uh, you kind of need to know what they ought to be doing for you, what it's going to cost, uh, why they can't do certain things that you'd like them to do, like double closings, for instance. Steve Glacken from Stewart Title will be the speaker at the main meeting. I will be the speaker at the early meeting. It is open to the public. You can get more information at 859-292-7342. That is 859-292-RIA or at CincinnatiRIA.com. So today we are talking about one of the hottest topics. I say the hottest topic maybe not the one that gets the most attention, but probably the one that should in the foreclosure world. And that is REOs, bank-owned properties, real estate-owned is what that stands for. And my guest today is Andy Heller, who is a featured speaker at the 2010 Ohio RIA convention coming up in November. He's also a full-time real estate investor and author of the best-selling book, Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. He's joining us from his home in Atlanta. Andy, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Vina, it's always a pleasure. Great to be here. Yes, and, and, and great to have you, Andy. If, if I could do shows on REOs every single solitary week, <laughs> I probably would <laughs> because they are they are that big a part of the the market these days and everybody's so focused on the whole short sale concept and they seem to be missing out on the fact that when the short sale falls apart the property becomes an REO and that's most yeah, of I have them. a different way of saying it REOs right now are they are the market <laughs> <laughs> yes they're definitely setting prices in, in, in many of our neighborhoods uh, they are definitely some of the best deals out there, and I think the really important thing is they're they're really the low hanging fruit. I mean, what what are we looking for? Prices that we properties that we can easily find, buy under market, that preferably that are paid off. REOs fit all of those criteria. Yes. Yeah, and I should also add um, before we get going. I should let me just clarify when I, when you say when we say REOs. Most people think about, oh, let me scan MLS and look for bank-owned property on MLS. And what we teach, uh, what I teach, and what I'll be talking about at OREA, is how to buy the bank-owned properties before they get to MLS. Now, you can get, in this, in this market, you can get a good deal on MLS. But what you have to remind yourself is once a property is sitting on MLS, the seller, the bank, really intends that the property be purchased by a homeowner or would-be homeowner seeking a deal on their primary residence. And your typical investor needs an extra 15 to 
below what a homeowner will buy a property from to get his or her necessary margin. So buying REOs, there's really two opportunities to buy. One is before it's on MLS, and the second is once a property is on MLS. And we teach how to find the properties and buy them before they get on MLS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we are going to address that a little bit later in the show. I want to invite listeners to give us a call with any questions about bank-owned properties at 772-9658. Or if you're listening from outside the greater Cincinnati, Cincinnati area, you can call toll-free at 877-772-9658. Or, as always, you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. But remember, if you're going to do that, let us know not only who you are, but where you are writing from. Now, Andy, um, you you actually spent the first, what, almost decade of your real estate career in a full-time job elsewhere and and, yes. and yet, yet still managed to, to buy quite a large number of properties uh, d- despite the, the full-time thing. And I think that's 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 one of the questions that I know a lot of real estate investors have is, is how in the world can I do this when I have a full-time job? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm going to even add to that. And, you know, I've purchased more properties part-time than many full-time real estate investors. And the reason why is because I focus on bank-owned property, Vina. And think about it for a second. Uh, every other way you buy a property, you've got approximately a zero, zero chance of buying a second property from the seller, whether you're buying a note or a, a, a discount property from a seller uh, who's having trouble paying their mortgage. Any other way you buy property, you'll never see that seller again if you, unless you run into them in a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. But what's special about bank-owned property is you're actually built, doing, you're doing what everybody on your your radio show right now, it's, you're doing what you all do in your, in your normal lives. You're building relationships, whether you are an accountant or a, a, a mortgage processor or you drive trucks. Whatever you do, you get business um, in your day job from relationships that you have nurtured. And what we've done with our extracurricular job years ago was do the same thing. And you build relationships with banks and the agents to deal in bank-owned properties. And what's special about this is that these banks and agents don't just have one property, but they have hundreds. And one of the most telling statistics as to why I've been able to buy so many properties part-time, Vina, is I would estimate that after doing this for almost two decades, 75% of the purchases I make and have made and still make today are from sellers who previously sold me a property. In fact, most of your, I would go even further to say that most of you listen to Vina's show, uh, if you want to focus on bank-owned property, even you full-timers, all you need are two or three contacts, and then you're set for probably about 10 or 20 years. And that's what's (laughs) special about bank-owned properties. It's all about building relationships with sellers who have pools of properties, not individual properties. And once you own that relationship, you don't need to burn 30, 40 hours a week because the seller will call you when they have a property that is similar to what you bought from them the last time. And, you know, we really, Vina, we would spend two, three, four hours per week on 
bank-owned properties. And that's something that's manageable for any and every person, no matter what job you might happen to be in. And that's what makes it, this so easy and so appealing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. And Andy, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how to find these great REO deals, what you're looking for, and uh, how to have the best shot at actually getting an offer accepted. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 7342. Well, we have one accident on the board right now. It's northbound 75 north of Turfway blocking the right side of that expressway there, northbound 75 north of Turfway in Kentucky. The only other problem, we have a disabled now, and it's in a dangerous spot. It's right outside the Lytle Tunnel, southbound 71, so that would also be westbound Fort Washington Way. It's on the right side, so as you come out of the tunnel, uh, watch out for that. The Artemis van is also on the scene. Uh, so use caution. It's on the right side, just outside the tunnel. And of course, we have delays in the usual spots, including northbound 75 uh, around Paddock Road and again at Glendale Milford. Your forecast tonight, clear skies, a low of 42. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 65. Friday, sunny, a high of 65. Saturday, sunny and a high of 72. And then a chance of rain on Sunday. Right now, we're at 66 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. The Knowles of Oxford is proud to support award-winning programming on WMKV. The Knowles of Oxford, a continuing care retirement community, is located on a beautiful 85-acre campus just one and a half miles from Miami University. The comfortable surroundings and unique affiliation with Miami University offer a cultural retirement experience like no other. The Knowles of Oxford at 513-524-7990. That is 513-524-7990. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Andy Heller. Um, I would go farther than saying he's one of the top REO experts in the country. I would probably go so far as to say he's about the only known REO expert in the country. <laughs> and uh, we're uh, we're talking about this, this, this thing that's out there and people know it's out there and yet we get questions from folks like this one that I received this afternoon in preparation for the show we always send out you know hey would you shows on got any questions and so on uh no name man I shouldn't even read this somebody somebody named CL and then the last name is here uh what have you done and this this is kind of a, a lease option question, Andy. What have okay. you What have you done when a home with a purchase price of say one twenty is comping for only one sixteen at the end of the lease option period? At the end of the lease oh, option period, have you let people have you let people rent if they can't afford the closing costs? Or have you told them to move and start over? Okay, that's a great question. And um, the name of our strategy is called Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. Emphasis on all three parts, uh, and that was a really good question. 
your typical lease option investor, all they're doing is trying to rent and then sell their property. In fact, the way they make their money is on the lease option. So in a, in a situation that we're in today where prices are falling, they're stuck. They, they frankly can't adjust. Um, we simply, in our, the way we uh, approach investing is the lease option is simply the marketing strategy for our REOs. So we've already locked in forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars of profit because we bought the property below market. So if we lease options at one twenty nine nine, let's see you have in your example, and it only it only um, it only appraises for one sixteen. One of the great things about a lease option is you can it's such a it's such a flexible business uh, structure. We would just sign an amendment and change the price and sell them at one sixteen. So what? Big deal. Instead of making forty grand, we make twenty six. It's still a great profit, and it's also fair and ethical. You can't. Uh, one of the most basic rules in real estate, guys, is you can't sell a property for more than it's worth. Mm-hmm. And um, in this market, I'd be more than happy to reduce uh, my lease purchase sales price to give somebody the opportunity to buy. And the great thing is, you can find an amendment to your original agreement, and you can structure that amendment any way, shape or form, and you can just make it fair both for the lease optionee and for yourself. And we're able to adjust to this market because all of our properties were bought below market, all of our properties have considerable equity and have a considerable margin, and therefore we have the ability to react. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, CL, he or she, because we don't know, because he or she didn't sign their email, uh, says, in your book, you say one in three will buy at the end of the option period. Are you still finding that to be true? Um, well, we say generally it's like one of uh, 25 to 33%. And that will depend on the types of properties you release option in and where you're doing it, and also how successful you are at putting people in that property. Today, those numbers are down a little bit lower, but what they're doing, Vina, is they're not leaving. So it's sort of like statistically, yeah, maybe our numbers are done, but it's also you have to put an asterisk there and, and write to be continued <laughs> because we don't kick the people out if they haven't bought during their three years. We give them an extension period, and you begin to rack up considerable equity and considerable profit the longer they stay in your properties. And you don't know what's going to happen because it's an unfinished story. And just to give you an idea how big a piece of, of, of the puzzle that is today or last probably a puzzle isn't, isn't the right word, how big a, a piece of the profit picture it is today, 50% of my portfolio has been in the same property, the same home, Bina, longer than four years, which means they're all into an extension period. I got one family lease purchasing the same home, the second home we ever bought 18 years ago. <laughs> it was on a 15-year <laughs> note. This guy bought the home. Mm-hmm. When I do these workshops, people say, well, Andy, why didn't they buy? And I always say, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I generally get some laughter out of that, but but the serious point there, everybody, is um, many of these families in today's economy will end up buying beyond the three-year term that you that we give them initially. So they do buy, they do transact, but it's, it's somewhere down the road. And when they do finally transact, the amount of money you make is is, is exceptional. It, it it oftentimes six figures. I mean, the last lease purchase I did, um, or, or closing I had, Vina. I mean, we made $85,000, and mm-hmm. they were in the property just six years. I mean, this is quite lucrative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're actually talking today mostly about 
REOs. I know we just had a long discussion about lease options, but that's sort of, that's just sort of jumping the gun. That was the back end of Andy's strategy that I was going to talk to him about, you know, after the third break, but uh, because of CL's email, uh, she's ahead of us because she's read the book. And uh, we're taking your questions at 772-9658-877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com. Now, Andy, there, there has been nothing in the news but foreclosures for like the last three weeks. I mean, just yep. it, 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 over and over and over and over again. Uh, ha, have you found that the REO market, which of course the back end of all this, you know, we're going to foreclose stuff is, has has changed at all in the past year or two? And if so, how? In the past, are you saying in the past year or two, Vina? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, the discounts in the last year or two have gone from good to exceptional. I mean, we're buying property today probably. And we buy middle-income homes, everybody. So let me just uh, preface it to say there are some REOs you can get like 30 cents on the dollar, um, but those are also oftentimes in areas where you don't really want, well, we where we don't want to be invested, okay? Mm-hmm. So we buy middle-income properties, and um, we're buying those properties today probably, I would say, between 10 to 20% less than what we were paying on the same property just one to two years ago. Mm-hmm. So there has been an, an uptick in the discounts that are available to investors, which just means more, more profit. And the two things that have fed that, Vina, is there's less competition and the banks have more inventory, which has created a series of uh, a situation of desperation. So we say and we teach that you should take advantage of that mm-hmm. while you can. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at, at, so you're, you're in like bread and butter type properties. Because because yep. of your back end of lease optioning them, it's kind of nice to have a, you know be in a neighborhood where people want to buy a house if you're going to do that. Uh, what sort of percentage of value are you getting those for these days? Well, I'll give you an actual example, uh, and it's, it's a great example. It's a great um, uh, answer to uh, your question about bread and butter neighborhoods. You know, and that's why we're so successful in, in leasing our properties to stable families, because we buy in t- types of neighborhoods where we would where my wife and I would want to live ourselves. Uh, I, uh, I bought an REO for one thirty uh, in a neighborhood uh, where the school districts typically finish, at least the high school finishes in uh, ranked among the top 10, uh, 10 high schools in the, in the country. So it's a, suffice it to say, it's a high demand um, part of Atlanta. The school district is exceptional. The, the, the community is just wonderful. Bought the home for 130, put 5k into it, Vina, and we lease optioned it for 220. Hmm. I mean, I I I would have got in that same neighborhood. I would have been happy making 30k um, just two or three years ago, and 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 that margin is um, 75 thousand dollars, and it was one of the easiest lease purchases I've ever done because you mentioned the high school when you answer when when people call in the ad like, oh my god. You know, I'll be out there tomorrow. So um, this is the type of deals and types of opportunities that we're seeing today. Um, and I just, you know, I couldn't dream about this just two, three years ago, you know. Well, and, and, and interestingly, sort of taking a step back here, uh, the, the, what this is causing is sort of a macroeconomic spiral where, you know, you bought that house in that great neighborhood for 120 now the guy next door who's not in foreclosure 
who <laughs> needs to sell his house for some reason or another. Yeah. You know, now that now his house is comping at 120 instead of the 220 that any normal market it would be selling for. And so, you know, he can't sell it and can't sell it and can't sell it. And he's transferred out of town. And, uh, you know, pretty soon he starts saying to himself, why should I keep making the payment on my hundred or my $200,000 mortgage that I got a few years back when my house is only going to sell for 120? And then that one goes into foreclosure. And it, 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 it REOs are driving the market. I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody thinks that it's that it's foreclosures in the sense of people having their houses taken away from them. No, it is bank-owned properties on the back end and the bank's uh, sometimes desperation to get rid of them because they're not always. And we need to talk about the difference between the ones that are and the ones that aren't. But uh, the, 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 the guy with the house next door could do the same thing you're doing. And sell his house for two twenty if he was willing to carry the financing. So we yeah. have we have this whole thing going on where owners are going to have to finance their houses if they're going to get if they're going to get any anything close to the price that they're hoping for. And lease options are are much better and easier typical than typically than renting a property, especially for the homeowner who doesn't really know how to rent a property. And I mean, you've kind of got all the good strategies tied up here. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny. Um... And Vina knows my story, everybody. I'm I'm not a full-time speaker. I'm not one of those guys on the circuit. I'm doing what you all are doing or want to do. I'm out there investing, and it's almost like if I was a full-time speaker, this is this is gravy time because uh, exactly what we've been doing for two decades has never been easier, more relevant, and a more dominant or important strategy for investors than today. The two things we do. We buy bank-owned properties. We market them on lease options. And I would argue with anybody that these are the two, both of these are the two best revenue and and profit-generating opportunities for real estate investors today and probably for the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking to Andy Heller about buying REOs, lease optioning on the back end, what the best deals are, how to find them, how to identify the properties you want. We're also taking your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or if you have a question you'd like to send via email, send it to askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the Cincinnati Ballet, bringing the beauty, power, and passion of dance to Music Hall for the Sleeping Beauty, October 22nd through the 24th. Experience the story of true love and deep magic, where a prince's kiss breaks a century-long enchantment. Hear Tchaikovsky's most beloved ballet score, played by the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. Tickets at the Cincinnati Ballet Office at 513-621-5282 or online at cballet.org. And we'll check on traffic right now. We still have just the one accident on northbound 75 north of Turfway. That is on the right side. Uh, We do have that disabled still just outside the Lytle Tunnel. That would be westbound Fort Washington Way or South 71. But it's outside the Lytle Tunnel on the right side, and the Artemis van is also there. So use caution as you come out of the tunnel tonight. We have delays uh, on uh, northbound 71 at the lateral through Red Bank, Montgomery through Pfeiffer. South 71 slows at Pfeiffer, and then again at Taft down to the tunnel. North 75 slows around 74 up through Paddock, and again at Glendale Milford. Uh, South 75 slows up approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. 471 heavier than usual southbound between the Daniel Carter Beard Bridge in 275. Weather forecast from the National Weather Service. It calls for clear skies tonight, a low around 42 degrees. 
Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high of 65. And Friday, sunny, a high of 65 degrees. Then we warm up a little more for Saturday and Sunday. Saturday's high around 72. Sunday, also a high of 72. But with that will come a 30% chance of some showers Sunday afternoon. In fact, there's a 30% chance of rain on Monday and Tuesday as well, as highs remain mainly in the mid to low 70s. Right now, we're at 67 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from the Culping Society, presenting their Wine Fest on Saturday, November 6th. The evening includes an original Rolladen dinner with all the trimmings, a bottle of wine, beer, soft drinks, and more, then dancing to the music of the Alpen Echoes. Dinner at 7 p.m., dancing at 8.30. Reservations taken at 777-1191. More information available at culpingcincinnati.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Bina Jones-Cox. And as always, you can fan up Real Life Real Estate Investing by going to realliferealestateinvestingradio.com. Yeah, it's a Facebook page, which means to become a member, you have to have a Facebook account. There's only like three people on the face of the earth who don't have Facebook accounts today. So if you're one of them, Perhaps, uh, you know, you could go ahead and do that so you could become a fan of real life real estate. You'd be joining, gosh, about 4,500 other people in doing that. And you get the first heads up on the upcoming programs as well as a chance to ask questions on the wall. So that's realliferealestateradio.com. Once again, talking today to Andy Heller about bank-owned properties and um, his experience, uh, many years experience, I should say, uh, buying these properties, turning around and lease optioning them. And Andy, you mentioned in the example before the break that you only did like $5,000 worth of work to this $220,000 property. I mean, that's paint and carpet in a $220,000 property. Are you focusing on the REOs that don't need a lot of work in those neighborhoods? Absolutely not. I'll buy anything and any, anything and everything being out where there is a good margin. And we did something actually very interesting with this property. Um, it had a few rooms that were dated. And what we did is we also teach something called an improvement allowance where uh, we do the basics and then we, we put a, aside an amount of funds like two, three, as much as five or even $10,000 on this property. It wasn't nearly that amount. Um, it's our money that the lease option E can use to beautify the property and make it their dream home. And, of course, there's parameters where it allows us to control the use of those funds, and we net, we always pay the contractor um, directly. But um, with this property, we did an improvement allowance, and what it, what it does mean is it takes the lease option E's mind off of the flaws of the property and puts it onto how am I going to use this goofball's money? <laughs> and what it does for us is it allows us to lease a property in a week or two instead of uh, three or four months, and it also keeps us from burning uh, twenty dollars or $30,000 of our money guessing that this is what is going to appeal or be important to the lease option knee that we haven't even met yet. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those properties where we pulled off, we pulled one of these little tricks out of our hat called an improvement allowance, and we did like, um, actually it was less than five grand. We put in like 3500 or so when we got the property. We made sure it looked good, and then we had an improvement allowance. And we, had the, we, had, we were generating revenue in this property in like three weeks. 
Uh-huh. Okay, so it doesn't matter how much house uh, how much work the house needs if it's a good deal you're kind of there. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the short answer I gave you a long answer to your question, but yeah. I mean, you know, there are some investors and there's so much great inventory out there that you can be pretty picky if you don't want to do any work. However, uh, I can tell you after having done this for two decades, there's certainly a relationship between the profit you make and the work you're willing to do or take on. Um, so, you know, we don't mind. We'll take on anything as long as the property is structurally sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, we have a question here from Tom in Manassas, Virginia. Tom says, I have been working the REO market, as you suggest, for about a year. It seems like every time I get close with a bank, it turns out that we are, quote, in multiple offers, and my offer is never the highest. Is there some secret to finding and putting these deals under contract? Yes, and I've heard that question before, and you're probably doing one of a couple things that we want to try to um, uh, eliminate. One is, I'm not sure what you're saying to the bank. Uh, so you may be saying the wrong thing. Your messaging may be wrong, and that's something that there isn't a short answer to that question. Um, that's something that we teach you how to approach the bank properly um, and, and what to say so that your offer will be considered the right offer. And But the, but the, the main issue is probably timing. And the... the if you guys could picture this, after the foreclosure sale, the property sells on the courthouse steps under a share sale or foreclosure sale, whatever your state happens to call it, to the highest bidder. In today's economy, that highest bidder is generally the bank. After the sale, but before the property appears on MLS, everybody, in most states, it's two to four months. Okay? Most investors that are fat find themselves in a situation where you are one of multiple bidders or the banks are just not giving you the, uh, the time of day, you're just what you're doing is you're approaching the bank and either you're saying the wrong thing or you're approaching the bank towards the end of the process. In other words, too close to when the bank plans on putting the property on MLS. Mm-hmm. So if there's multiple offers, you're in a situation where you're either too close to the property being on MLS or you're on MLS already. And the key to what we do, everybody, is we teach a system where you use three criteria, location, loan amount, and loan type. And you essentially identify potential REOs before the foreclosure sale, before they're actually an REO. So the sale, what that allows you to do is the, if the sale happens on Tuesday, you can begin calling the banks on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday long before they've begun their process of getting the property ready for MLS or even assigning it to a broker. So as a result, we're always the only bidder. Uh, so I do meet investors all the time who say uh, they have tried this, and sometimes their comments are similar to what you just to your question. Why isn't this working? Uh, I am talking to the bank. You're just talking to the bank too close to the end of the process. When the, when the bank is getting ready to market the property on MLS, you have to be making the approach to the bank close to, I mean, right after the foreclosure sale. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. So the keys, the two keys are what you're saying to the bank, and the second is timing, what time, when you're approaching the bank. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Andy, are, are you working primarily with uh, the smaller local banks and savings and loans or with the great big got 100,000 foreclosures all over the country banks? Well, that, that, that's a really good question. You know, there's two main categories for REOs, of, of types of banks you'll approach. Um, forget trying to call Bank of America or Wells Fargo, and if, frankly, if you do get through, I want you to call me and tell me what you did. <laughs> <laughs> so the types of banks you can pick up the phone and call directly are indeed you know, the smaller banks, local banks and regional banks. And the, the states that will be attending OREA, um, you all, I know your states intimately, you all have a high percentage of local and regional banks. You're in, a wonder, you're in wonderful areas for, um, for being able to uh, approach the banks directly. And frankly, all 50 states have a lot of banks in the city situation today. Now, for the larger banks, um, you still have an opportunity, but it's a little bit different, Vina. Um, the larger banks market their properties through what we call REO agents. These are real estate agents where all or a large part of what they do are bank-owned property. And what you will find is most any metropolitan area, this REO market will be dominated by between just 15 to 30 real estate agents. And, and if you find these agents, you can still get the properties before they put it up on MLS, and you can build the types of relationships with these agents just like you are with banks. And there's even a, a, a nickname for this in, um, in the real estate vernacular, and it's called a pocket listing. So it's technically a listing, but it's a listing that you have in your back pocket because nobody else knows about it. And that's all based on building relationships with these REO agents for the larger banks and with the banks directly for the smaller banks. Okay. A question here from Julie in New Jersey. Julie says, for Andy's type of strategy, doesn't the investor need a nice big bundle of cash? (laughs) Uh, That's a great question, Julie. And the answer is uh, a big, flat no. First of all, in any element of real estate investing, cash is not a bad thing. And any investor who's achieved the um, the position where they can make offers with cash and have a lot of cash, they shouldn't apologize for it. More power to you. You earned it. But you don't need it. And in fact, Julie, our first 12 years, and this is why it was so good to have a job, um, our first 12 years, every single offer we ever made was contingent upon us secure an investor loan. And that's where our job helped out because we used a job to get the loan. Uh, the ba- so in other words, the banks don't... Now, let me, let, me, let me take a step back. Julie, if I'm making an offer of 150 k with cash, and you're making an offer of 150 k contingent upon you getting an investor loan, I'm going to get the property. But if your offer is 155 you know, you'll probably get it. If it's 152.50, it's a toss-up. All right. So, having cash will help you make a bit more money. It's not necessary to buy properties from banks. What banks are looking for, Julie, is your ability to transact, and that is either with cash, with a loan that you can show that you pre-qualify for, or if you if you don't have any money at all and you want to be a wholesaler, you simply provide a proof of funds coming from your money partner or your equity partner or your wholesalee, and that's how you are able to get the banks, get on the bank's radar. So you don't have, a, have to have a lot of funds. In fact, you, you can oftentimes buy properties from banks 
with less funds because banks are the only seller that I'm aware of that can save you a lot of cash when you're buying properties because you have a whole bunch of cash saving opportunities when you buy from banks. Um, in our first 12 years, Julie, I don't think we ever paid closing costs. So the banks always paid our closing costs, and that saved us three, four, five thousand dollars per offer. We even had banks set up repair escrows um, or complete costly repairs before the closing, and that could save us as much as fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in cash needs before buying properties. Banks care about your ability to transact, and if you can substantiate that and show them that, you're fine. And I have plenty of my students who buy from banks. And they, don't have, they don't have a penny of their own name, in, in their own name. They just presented a document, a proof of funds, that have been supp- provided to them by the person they're buying for or with, and so the bank was fine to work with them. Mm-hmm. And we have kind of a similar question here from Ella in Indianapolis. She says, when you worked full-time and invested part-time, how were you securing the funds to purchase the REOs that you acquired? Well, we didn't need to in those early years, Ella. Um, we just need to come up with enough cash to to satisfy the down payment requirements of the loan that we we're going to use. So we basically had a close relationship with our mortgage broker. We always were aware of the um, the best investor loans that were available at any one time and the cash needs of each. And then when we pursued properties, we would always try to structure our offer to minim- minimize the use of that cash with examples like I just gave where the bank paid for closing costs, the bank paid for some costly repairs. We even had banks that uh, are willing to set up repair escrows with the closing attorney (laughs) released after closing to our contractor. (laughs) And again, that saved us thousands of dollars in cash um, when buying bank-owned properties. And that just helped us be able to buy more and more properties. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I hope, I hope that answers your question. Again, buying from banks, If you, I always tell people that if you really have a lack of cash, buying from banks is the absolute best source because if you structure your offer properly, and that's one of the things that we teach, you can really get those same properties with five, ten, as much as $20,000 less cash than what you would have paid for a similar property had you bought it from an individual or some other method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We've suddenly got a bunch of questions piling up from the askvina.com response form. When we get back, we'll also take your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Pain, stiffness, or swelling in a joint, bone, or muscle may be a sign of arthritis, and there are more than 100 types, including osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. Early and correct diagnosis can help treatment. More information about a diagnosis, protecting your joints, and a treatment plan is available at Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine at 513-985-3700. Well, we'll take a look at traffic right now. We have an accident over on the west side, Harrison at Rybolt Road in front of the McDonald's. Northbound Montgomery near Pfeiffer, an accident. Uh, Glenway at Relium, an accident. Dana at uh, Madison. Paddock at Norwood Lateral. And uh, southbound 471 from the Daniel Carter Beard Bridge down to, uh, let's see, there's an accident uh, at the merge. 
Uh, I can't figure this out. I think it's an uh, it's on actually it's on the Ohio side at the merge from 71 to southbound 471. They could have written that better. Uh, disabled vehicle on 71 southbound uh, south of the tunnel or westbound Fort Washington Way just outside the Lytle Tunnel. And of course we have delays. Maybe a little heavier than usual on westbound 275 at Mosteller. Uh, and also uh, 275 eastbound from 42 to Ward's Corner. Your forecast tonight, clear skies, low of 42. Sunny tomorrow, high of 65. Sunny on Friday, a high of 65. Saturday, a high of 72. And Sunday, a 30% chance of rain. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're here on the last, oh, 10 minutes of the show. And... Uh, Gosh, the questions for Andy Heller are just piling into the inbox here. And, yeah, Andy, um, as soon as I can get my computer to actually go back Rina, to Maybe we inbox. should let everybody know that I'm, we got a bonus session. We'll all have a chance to ask your question. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. I yeah. uh, haven't, haven't mentioned so far at the, on this show that folks can still sign up for the upcoming Ohio RIA conference, which features, amongst other folks, Andy Heller, um, by going to wmkvfm.org, and that's the, the station from which we are broadcasting. It is a public radio station, so your tuition actually goes to support public radio here in Cincinnati and, of course, podcast around the entire country. Uh, Andy is doing not just the usual session that, uh, you know, the usual 90-minute session that folks do, but also, as he mentioned, a Q&A session on Saturday. And um, let's see, I'm trying to see when else you're on here, Andy. I just pulled up the I just pulled it off. Oh, you're on on Sunday and th and Friday, and then your Q and A session on Saturday. So, uh, even if folks needed to miss Friday, they could still come and see you on Sunday. Of course, it's like ninety nine bucks to attend, and well, as you can tell from our recent guests, you're going to get a whole heck of a lot more than that out of this. So, wmkvfm.org. Go about halfway down the homepage, and you'll see a link that says "Sign up for the OREA convention here." And you can bring a friend for like 30 bucks. So, yeah, all goes to support public radio. Woohoo. All right. A couple of questions here, Andy. Um, Becky, or sorry, Rocky from Liberty Township, Ohio, wants to know what is the average percentage that you are getting for the lease option fee in lease options? So, in other words, of the purchase price, what percent of that are you getting up front? Well, we do things a little bit different, Rocky. Um, we ask for a lower percentage, uh, just 1% in non refundable. But we get more cash out of the optionee by asking for an expanded security deposit. So it ends up being anywhere between uh, two and five percent of the value of the property. But we write up the um, contract differently, and that's the one thing about you know my topics. Uh, almost nobody has bought a bank-owned property before this on MLS. So I, as Vina said, I had that area to myself in terms of teaching people, but many people have experience with lease options, and that is both a good and a bad thing. The The bad part about it is that um, people generalize, oh, lease options, I know what it is, but actually I find that the amount of money investors make varies greatly depending on how they structure their deal. So what I'm trying to say is that we structure ours very different than what uh, many other educators typically teach. Um, number one, it's more ethical. We don't believe in being unfair to people. But you want to structure your deal 
in such a way uh, where um, the cash question was a great question. Many investors ask for so much cash that nobody answers their ads. And they end up having holding costs of three, four, five months. We ask for a smaller amount of cash. We generally have our properties leased in less than 30 days at a positive cash flow. And we write up the cash a bit differently with security and option fee instead of just a large non-refundable option payment. And there's a number of advantages to that. I know I don't have the time for all that, but the main point there is that uh, the success you have with lease options does vary greatly depending on how you structure your lease option and your overall renting strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an email from Scott, who is in St. Paul, Minnesota. He says, in my state, using Andy's approach would mean that I'd be waiting another six months due to the redemption period before I could sec- uh, before I could be secure in doing any marketing or renovating. Is it critical to his process to work with the homeowner even before the sale date to assure that they will be vacating or to purchase their redemption rights? Um, first of all, no. <laughs> that's, the, the, that's the answer to your second part. And then the answer to the first part is, I love states with redemption periods because you actually have a second opportunity to buy. What I mean by that is that uh, you can make an offer to the bank contingent upon the redemption right not being exercised by the, the family that lost the property in foreclosure. And you can make this offer one day after the property is foreclosed. It's just paper, and it's not obligating the bank to do anything. You just have an offer that sits on their desk, and you can have the right to review that (laughs) six months later. And then your second period to do the exact same thing is exactly six months to the day after. So there's absolutely no change to what the process by which I described earlier. None at all. In fact, if anything, you may have a second at-bat on the same property. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Um, now, uh, one more question, uh, really more from uh, from me here, Andy. <laughs> is, uh, okay. You, you, you keep mentioning that uh, you're building these relationships with real estate agents, and I, you've been in the business a long time. So right. I, I, my, my, my expectation would be some of these are, some of these folks are folks who, who know from 20 years back that you can close deals. For the new yeah. real estate investor, the guy who doesn't have your history... Of, of closing deals. How is that a viable strategy to, to go start building these relationships with real estate agents? Um, I can answer that question so easily. First of all, I built these relationships, many of them 20 years ago, Vina, when I was a pimply-faced kid just out of college. I didn't own, you know, for me, fine dining was a McDonald's Happy Meal where I had a, a, a Biggie Fries. <laughs> so I didn't own squat. So you guys can walk in today. You don't have to have written books or done tons of deals or have a bunch of money. You can build the relationships as long as, number one, you're ethical, and number two, you can demonstrate an ability to transact. Okay, same thing I was saying earlier in the, uh, the radio show. If the real estate agent, REO agent, feels that you have, if you've demonstrated the ability to transact, if you've said the right things, and that's something that we do teach is how to approach these people, they will take you seriously. And then once you have your first opportunity or two, you, you, you present your offer professionally, you substantiate your offer, and you're ethical as, and when you have your first opportunity to negotiate with that agent. And then you're in. Yeah, so you don't have to have a certain amount of gray hair, have done this for a certain number of years, or 
Your name doesn't have to be Vina Jones-Cox or Andy Heller. You can be a kid. As long as you treat the people right, you say the right things, and you ha- demonstrate the ability to transact, um, they'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, very good. And uh, another last-minute question that just came here in here, uh, and and I don't know, Andy, this 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 may or may not be something you've ever done. Uh, this is from JC in Las Vegas. What sort of numbers do I need to uh, meet? And I'm sorry, do I need to? I'm losing myself in the sentence. What sort of numbers do I need? to build relationships to have local banks sell off their entire inventory to me at discounts below what they would accept on individual assets. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff flying around right now about these bulk REO packages, and I've mostly found that the ones that are presented to me by people who've, who are 19 people down the line are, are garbage. But that's an interesting question. Can you go to these local banks and say, I don't want one property, I want five, and get a discount? Oh, yeah, and you can get between 5 and 15%, maybe 20% more. But as far as the bulk thing, it's, it, it, it's um, big people don't waste your time. I mean, the, 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 the people who are really buying in bulk are hedge funds, all right? They're not, they're not any, anybody you're talking to. And Vina alluded to, it's almost a, a, it, it's, it's a, it's a fake industry. All these intermediaries that are trying to get their, get their finger in this. The banks that have the inventory... They know who the buyers are. The buyers who have the funds to, to come in and get an extra 20%, 30% than we can get, um, they're hedge funds buying them millions of dollars, and they know who the, who the banks are that have the inventory. So focus on the onesies and twosies. Um, we've been doing it for 20 years. It's awfully attractive. Um, you can get rich. <laughs> this is the best time ever right now. And that's what makes this OREA conference today uh, coming up so special is because this is a real special time in our, in our history, everybody. Um, I've been buying property for two decades. This, is, this, this next one or two years is what I've been waiting for for 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we'll never see this again once it's passed. So it, it's truly a special opportunity. Uh, don't get ahead of yourself. Focus on the onesies and twosies. And I've been doing this for 20 years. I still, yes, I have made offers to banks for multiple properties, but pretty much everything I bought has been onesies and twosies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And believe me, that's extremely sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be buying bulk packages. There's All also right. a lot of risk associated with that, everybody. Very good. Uh, we are out of time, Andy, but uh, hopefully everyone will come see you at the 2010 Ohio RIA convention. Not just for Ohioans, by the way. It is a national convention. Get more information and sign up at wmkvfm.org. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. This is 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio, Local 12 News at 6, next. Authority. This is Local 12 News. Good evening.